I'm Marian Kolbesek McGee, Managing Editor of Healthcare Info Security. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Randall Lembrick, Senior Vice President of Research and Academic Relations for Aurora Healthcare, which is based in Wisconsin and is one of the largest healthcare delivery systems in the U.S. Aurora recently launched the Aurora Research Institute, which will centralize existing research endeavors at Aurora and open the door for more research studies and partnerships and collaborations. Randall will be discussing Aurora's approach to patient data privacy and security as it expands its research endeavors. Tell us briefly about the new Aurora Research Institute, your role, and a little bit about the kind of research that you'll conduct. Aurora Healthcare is one of the largest integrated healthcare systems in the country and certainly the largest in Wisconsin and the region. So we take our role in education research very seriously. And it's one of common threads I think you'll find in the top healthcare systems in the country. So research has always been an important part of our strategic plan here at Aurora. The Aurora Research Institute is really focused on patient-centered research and it is an attempt after About three or four years of Aurora putting in the infrastructure to centralize and sort of get our arms around all of the research that occurs uh, throughout our 15 hospitals and medical centers and over 155 clinics. The Aurora Research Institute was launched last week, as you said, Marianne, and it is the focus on our patient-centered research. It's really intended to help organize the trilogy of what I consider research, which is really not only the science of innovation and research, but also the compliance and the business piece of what we do. So the purpose of the Research Institute is really to make sure that we're in alignment with Aurora's priorities, give our patients options, give our physicians access to the latest tools, but also to address the quality piece of that has to go along with research. That is the compliance piece, the safety piece, and then on, on the business side of things, to really organize ourselves for performance and make sure that we're conducting the kind of research that is not only meritorious, but has a return on investment. And when I say return on investment, I'm not only talking about uh, making sure we re- recover our costs, but to make sure that we have outcomes that enhance our patient outcomes. We've always conducted uh, research at Aurora from very basic science, cellular, molecular, laboratory-based research through human studies research. And we have currently 700 clinical research studies in Aurora. About 412 of them are clinical trials. So we work with industry sponsors on those clinical trials. Most of those are in oncology and cardiovascular. What options do you offer patients to participate in the research, and what kind of data do they provide? For instance, do they allow their test results to be used, specimens, genomics, what kind of data? The word option, it's exactly that. It's optional. It's voluntary, and the process for engaging in research is very, very important. Studies can come in several different forms. They can be, they can take place where the patient is totally de-identified and uh, anonymous and unknown, or it might be a study where the patient has to be identified because of the nature of the study. But patients can opt in or opt out of any study at any time. So, for example, a, a study might come in the form of simply asking a patient if they would like their clinical data clinical information to be deposited in a registry 
for analysis later. A registry is a database of maybe similar patients with similar diseases, so we can analyze that kind of data. And that can occur, in a, again, in a de-identified way or an identified way. The patient has the option of choosing whether they want to be involved or not. In some cases, depending on the nature of the study, we may ask a patient if they would want to deposit their blood, uh, leftover blood, or tissue that might be taken out during surgery into a, a repository rather than just throwing that away. Sometimes that can be very important when you uh, look at different biomarkers or different things that might be in that blood or tissue. And, and again, that can be in an identified way or a de-identified way. I think for many patients when we talk about clinical trials, so those would be examples of registries or repositories. For many patients, we may be talking about options. If they do have a particular disease or condition, they may want to be a subject in a drug study or a device study. And again, that all gives them options and access to the latest technologies or the latest new drugs, especially for patients who may not have any options if they're not responding to the, the current types of, of treatment. But those patients will never receive anything less than standard of care. The standard of care is, a, is what would be the current um, best practice for treating. It's just an option of whether they would like to engage in a new drug or a new device. It's always left up to the patient in terms of what they want to do. How do you manage the privacy policies? For instance, do patients opt in or opt out of certain projects? Do they give consent for certain use of their data? The process, as I said before, is really extremely important, and it involves a number of different steps. So, for example, before any research is conducted here at Aurora, it needs to have administrative approval, and that's usually granted by my office uh, after review by review committee. So a lot of research is conducted in a collaborative way with either industry or academic institutions. Or, But before we decide to bring a research study into Aurora, we make sure that it's in alignment with our principles and our priorities and that it's going to be a meritorious kind of project. So that administrative approval is really the first step. Do we want to make sure that that project is conducted here at Aurora and are there outcomes likely that Aurora's patients are going to benefit from? If that administrative approval is given, then we usually engage the Human Subject Protection Program here at Aurora. It's it's a combination of our Institutional Review Board, our IRB, and uh, the HIPAA office, Privacy Office, and they'll uh, look at the protocol. They'll look at the study and see if it meets all of their requirements. It's an accredited IRB. They'll make sure the informed consent is says everything that a patient would need to know before deciding whether to engage in that study. And if it gets IRB approval, then the next step is to make sure that there's a certified research coordinator assigned to that project Usually these are nurse research coordinators who make sure that the patient understands the consent form before they agree to consent. Once that takes place, then there are always audits, both internal and external audits, and continuing review. The subject protection committee is really an important step. That IRB review committee is made up of 
physicians and pharmacists and nurses and the community people. So it's a it's an important step to make sure that that informed consent and the protocol is going to be safe to our patients. With regard to our repository, our biorepository, and if patients do decide that they'd like to donate their blood or tissue to uh, the repository for research or education purposes, uh, there are a number of mechanisms put in place to make sure that their information is protected. There's, besides the consent form, and they, have, they can opt out, they can pull their tissue or blood at any time, but it's all de-identified. We use an honest broker system, so once that blood sample or that tissue is brought to the biorepository, it's stripped of any identifiers and it's barcoded. We abide by all the HIPAA requirements. We have an NIH certification letter that protects must being subpoenaed and having to divulge that. And then, of course, there's the GINA Non-Discrimination Genetic Act that helps protect Patients. So we try to put firewalls in at every step, and it, I, I would say the four or five privacy steps there really provide and assure that patient information will not get out there. How will the new HIPAA omnibus rule provisions related to using patient PHI for research impact your efforts? I actually think that the uh, HIPAA omnibus rules, the, the latest, will help our research efforts because they fill some critical gaps that existed in the past. So, for example, as I said, research is often a collaborative activity. Well, now anybody that we work with, our business associates, most of, most of collaboration in medic, biomedical research has a business associate agreement of some sort, but those entities will be covered under uh, the compliance uh, rules for HIPAA, and, and that's a good thing. There's the limitations in the use and disclosure of pertaining health information for marketing or fundraising purposes. That's been strengthened. So actually made clear. So now we're, we all understand um, what's taking place there. And we see children, but we don't conduct a lot of research on children, but especially for children's hospitals and that, those that work with vulnerable populations, they'll now have, there'll be family members and authorizations by um legal entities, those those sort of compliance and consent forms are actually will facilitate research. So the half a dozen or so new amendments to the omnibus rules really, I think, help protect research and help protect those who want to engage in research. So I'm, I'm, I think it's a positive move. It's predicted that as the cost of genomic testing comes down, more genetic data will be stored in patients' electronic health records. What sorts of privacy and security challenges does that present? It's no different than well, if it were research or if it were data being used just for clinical care management. I think the real opportunity here when we talk about managing a patient's health or, or the health of populations is certainly not only the security, but how we can use that data in a protected way to enhance that patient or enhance the population. What I mean by that is we were moving towards more of a personalized medicine approach, so we want to make sure that a patient or a population of of patients are getting the right drug and they're getting it at the right time and in the right place. And so I think being able to look at aggregates of data and then narrowing that down to what 
what works best for a patient. And in the past, we've had mostly what I'll call phenotypic data. Uh, this is a clinical information that we get from patients. You know, it might be their blood tests. It might be their medical history. But you're going to see in the next decade or so, you're already seeing this, more of the genomic information being added to that clinical information. So that will help us predict whether someone will be at risk for a particular disease or a particular condition. And it will help predict whether a particular drug will work or whether maybe that patient won't be responsive or will be allergic to that. And we'll be able to look at biomarkers or genetic information to be able to tell that. So that will enhance the safety and the quality of the way we approach treatment. So all of that uh, has to be, of course, uh, protected. We at Aurora have what we call a data warehouse for information that we want to use for research purposes. That data warehouse makes sure that the data is stripped of any identifying characteristics, and we make sure of that again before, before we use it. The data is segmented, uh, segmented so uh, there's no characteristics that can be traced back. We use encrypted barcode systems. We have an honest broker system where only a couple individuals are allowed to make the connection between the de-identified data and the identified data. So we've, we've put every firewall and every technology-enabled tool that we can to make sure that the patient's information is protected. How are the researchers at the Institute authenticated for access to patient data? We want to make sure that anybody who has access to this data is certainly qualified to, to work with the data. So for the first step is if it's de-identified data, they don't get anything but de-identified data. For the most part, researchers conducting research at Aurora either have to be employee or have to be employed through Aurora or have to have approval to be able to use this data. There's annual compliance and safety training that they have to take. There's orientation. All of our researchers here at Aurora, and even those who might come from the outside, have to pass training modules, so they're certified uh, to conduct research. And that certification, we use uh, what's called city training module, but it's a web-based system that uh, they have to pass 10 different modules before they can conduct research here. And anybody associated with research has to take that, that training module. So we make sure that the researchers here at Aurora are not only approved, have orientation, but have gone through the training systems. And then, you know, you can talk about all of the, all of the systems beyond that include passwords, firewalls, et cetera, but it's a pretty elaborate project and process. And not only do I look at that at administrative approval, but our Human Subject Protection Committee looks at that too, the IRB. So they will not let a study go out without all of the researchers being identified and having been on their list of having passed the training module. Finally, are there any new research projects underway or that you're about to launch soon that you want to say a little bit about? We always have innovative studies here at Aurora, and many of them occur in the clinical trial arena. Probably one of the more exciting research ventures that we have is in our regenerative medicine program. And we've worked very hard the last year. Aurora is really known for its cardiovascular program. 
whether that's prevention, whether that's intervention, whether it's managing heart failure. We worked hard to bring in a stem cell program here at Aurora, and we have now three stem cell trials that are occurring. Two of them have been underway for a while and are accruing patients. It's a, it, the stem cell, I think stem cell studies down the road are going to be huge at impacting the health and intervention on, on a lot of disease levels, but certainly in cardiovascular. We've all, already seen them be productive in, in helping uh, cure cancer, quite frankly, through cell therapy uh, and immunotherapy. We also have been working with the Department of Defense and the, their Telemedicine Advanced Technology Research Center on an award that was just made to look at how do we prevent falls, how do we prevent injury from patients, how do we do a better job of making sure that best practices in nursing care are getting uh, to the nurses and on the floors when they work with patients. So we call it our patient-centered research study. It uh, branched off of our knowledge-based nursing initiative, but it's a now it's a TATRIC-funded uh, study that we were just awarded uh, dollars for in, in February. So we're really excited about that. Thanks, Randall. I've been speaking with Dr. Randall Lambrick of Aurora Research Institute. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee for Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.